Well, good morning again, and welcome to St. Paul's. We're so glad that you're here today. Please pray with me. Father, I pray that you send your spirit now upon us, that we might see your son. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if we don't know each other, and we fell to talking after the service, and I asked you to tell me about yourself, what would you say? I suspect most people would start with what's keeping them busy right now, like work or family, maybe where you live, maybe how you've come to St. Paul's Bloor Street if you're new. But if I pushed a bit, because I'm really bad at small talk, and uh, we really got to being honest with each other, you'd probably start to tell me a story about your history. History, the place or places where you come from, your family, your relationships, the communities that have shaped you in good ways and in bad. St. Paul's Bloor Street sits physically at the nexus of vastly different communities, of Rosedale and St. Jamestown, the village and U of T. Each of these communities formed by radically different histories and shaping different kinds of people, and all those people are here, in addition to communities coming from further away. History and how it shapes communities and people is at the heart of what we are hearing, heart of what we heard in the passage from Acts 2 that was just read for us by Abodia. Because it's about the history of God's work in the world and the people who are shaped by that history, the community of people that follows the risen Jesus. Acts is the book of the Bible that tells the story of what Jesus' friends and followers did after he was killed, raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven. It's the story of his friends and followers who received the Holy Spirit and who were filled with the divine power to go into the world and to teach other people about Jesus, who Jesus was and what he'd done, how he died for their sins and been raised back to life, and why that mattered for everybody in the entire world. Now, here in Acts 2, we're dropping into the middle of a speech that Peter is giving in Jerusalem, 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. Okay, these words that we're hearing, this is Peter talking to a crowd And that morning, the Holy Spirit had fallen like fire from heaven on about a hundred of Jesus' followers. And at the time, there was a festival in Jerusalem with pilgrims from all these different countries. And the Holy Spirit had let Jesus' followers tell those pilgrims about Jesus in languages that they didn't already know. So it'd be like if you were a visitor from Sri Lanka and I was able to tell you about Jesus' miracles in Tamil, or I could suddenly declare in Spanish that... uh, uh, that, that God had, had made Jesus Lord and Messiah, and, and this is the same Jesus that, that had been crucified. And it was, all must have seemed a little crazy because someone was like, it's 9 a.m., and these guys are drunk. <laughs> and Peter is all, au contraire, mon frere, let me tell you how it is, and he starts telling them what's up. He starts telling them the Easter story, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection that we heard last week. But here's the thing. Now it's not just a story of something that happened to Jesus. Like this happened, you know, take it or leave it. It's in the news. You can pay attention or not. No, Peter's saying this Easter story, that's my story now. This is our story. He's making the Easter story the next episode, in fact, the most important episode in the history of the Jewish people and of all people. So let's look at the passage. I'd really encourage you to follow along in your Bible or on your phone or the Pew Bible in front of you, or in the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning in the 22nd verse. And Peter says, you that are Israelites. So he's telling us, he's not just talking to a random crowd. 
He's talking to a people, a community that's formed by a shared history, a shared history of what God has done for them and what God has promised to them. You who are Israelites, listen, Peter says. Now, the fundamental confession of Jewish faith was and remains today the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for listen, hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So Peter's speaking a new Shema here. Hear, O Israel, hear who Jesus is. And he continues, verse 22. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power and signs that God did through him among you, as you know. In other words, all of you saw the miracles that Jesus did, and that was true. Everybody recognized that Jesus was a miraculous healer, even his enemies. All of you saw the miracles that Jesus did. Verse 23, this man, this Jesus, was handed over to you by God's plan. It wasn't an accident, Peter's saying. You didn't nab Jesus. God gave him to you. This is actually all part of the plan, and this matters because from the outside, it sure looks like Jesus went down in defeat. You crucified him and killed him by the hands of those outside the law. We're still walking through this address that Peter gives to the the people around him. And and I want to pause here, even though it's a bit awkward, and and make something really explicit because there's a vicious strain of anti-Jewishness that's as old as Christianity itself that blames the Jewish people for the death of Jesus. And that's resulted in centuries of anti-Jewish violence, including the Holocaust and anti-Semitism rising today. And I want to be really clear here, because you can misread this passage, that anti-Jewishness has no place in the church, in this church, or in any Christian heart, because Jesus' death is on the hands of humanity, full stop. He was killed, Peter says, by the hands of those outside the law, meaning the Gentiles, the non-Jews, those not subject to God's law. So the Jewish leaders had brought Jesus to the Romans, and the Romans nailed him to the cross. It was, a, it was a collaborative effort. He was killed by those under the law and those outside the law. And the implication is that whoever one might be, if we'd been there, we'd have killed him too. Okay, so back to the main story. That's the story you all know, Peter says. You remember all the stuff Jesus did. You remember how he was killed a couple of months ago. But that's not how the story ends. And now Peter has some new information to share. So he continues, verse 24. God raised him up, having freed him from from death, because it was impossible, it was impossible for Jesus to be held, contained by the power of death. So why did God raise him? Why was it impossible for death to hold Jesus? Because, Peter says, of who Jesus was and is. Now, remember that in the minds of the people Peter's talking to, who Jesus is is up for debate. Was he a failed revolutionary? Was he a tragic prophet? No, Peter says, Jesus was who King David, the legendary king of Israel back in the golden days, Jesus was who King David was writing about a thousand years ago when he wrote, you will not abandon my soul to Hades, that's the place of the dead, or let your Holy One experience corruption. That's the, decla- the decay that happens to all flesh. And it's because Jesus was the Holy One of God, Peter says, the Messiah, the Savior prophesied by David, who couldn't be abandoned to death or rot in the grave, because that's who Jesus is, that's why death couldn't hold him. And Jesus' resurrection, Peter says, proves that he's the one David was talking about. Because David wasn't talking about himself, Peter says, David's dead in the grave. Everybody knows that. As great as David was, he's dead in the tomb. 
But verses 30 and 31, we see he was a prophet, and he knew another king was coming, someone who death couldn't hold. And verse 32, this Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. So you see what's happening here. Remember, we're talking about how communities are defined by their histories. Well, Peter's taking the shared history of the Israelites, and he's saying, Jesus is the next step in our history. Our history runs through what happened to Jesus. It's a main event. Right? Like lots of stuff happens every day. A lot of stuff is going to happen to you today. But if I asked you what you did today, you'd tell me the main stuff. You wouldn't give me a list of every snack you had. If I asked you what happened last week, you'd tell me the things that stood out, the big things. If I asked you what happened this year, maybe there'd be a few events that would rise to the top of your memory. You know, maybe it's the, the trucker convoy or the invasion of Ukraine, the, the Omicron surge. And, and of course, what you remember, what stands out, depends largely on what communities you're a part of because different communities have different histories. But what Peter's doing here is he's saying the death and resurrection of Jesus is the single defining event in our community's history. It's not some curiosity. It's not some flash in the pan. We've been waiting all this time for Jesus, Peter says, and the proof is in the resurrection. And now, verses 33 and following, he says, because Jesus is the next step in our history, here's what it means for us as a community. Because he's gone to the right hand of God in heaven. He's received the promised Holy Spirit. And now, Peter says, today, like an hour ago, he has poured that same Holy Spirit out on us, this that you both see and hear, the way we're speaking languages that we don't know. What you see and hear is happening so we can tell everyone about Jesus. And David, he went down into the ground, not up into heaven, so he couldn't have been talking about himself when he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make my, your enemies your footstool. David was talking about Jesus when he says this, Peter says, because Jesus is at God's right hand, and now he will rule. So therefore, verse 36, let the entire house of Israel know a certainty that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Messiah. This means God and Savior, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter's telling the Easter story, but he's not telling the Easter story like, oh, this thing happened, take it or leave it. He's saying, here's what happened, but more importantly, here's what it means that this thing happened, what it means for us, and what it means for you. Well, here's what it means for us. It means that to be a Christian is to understand yourself as part of the history that Peter's describing, the history of God's promises, the history of Jesus' death and resurrection, the history of the Holy Spirit poured out from heaven on those first followers of Jesus. This place, St. Paul's Bloor Street, this community is a direct result of what we just heard about in Acts. That day, 2,000 years ago, because the Holy Spirit overflowed through centuries, overflowed across the entire world to proclaim Jesus of Nazareth crucified and raised, Lord and Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, even here, even now. What we heard in Acts this morning is our past. That's our story. A long, long way back. But it defines who we are today as a community. 
And I want to pause to name this connection to Acts explicitly because the Anglican church spread around the world with the British Empire, and Anglican history is inextricable from imperial sins, quite frankly. And some people still think of the Anglican church as an Anglo church, but by the grace of God, that's not true at St. Paul's. We say we are a diverse community, and that's true and getting truer, but we have got to rely on the Holy Spirit to live into that vision of the Acts church so that we're less and less the community formed by that imperial history, not an Anglo church that welcomes other people, but more a community formed by scriptural history. Jesus' church, with Jesus at the center, where the Holy Spirit has overflowed from the family of Israel to bless all families of the earth together. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit so that we can become more and more that church of God where the children of many families have become heirs together to the promises of God. History and community aren't always how we think about spirituality and faith, especially not in our cultural context, where spirituality is often conceived of as just another one of the many lifestyle choices you might make, or preferences as spiritual consumers. And maybe your spirituality does grow out of your history and your family and community, or maybe just the opposite. Maybe your spirituality is a rejection of where you've come from. But what we need to understand is that in the biblical sense, your spiritual life isn't just some private, personal choice, like your personal curated sense of what makes life meaningful. In the biblical sense, to become a Christian means that the Easter story becomes your story. Like if I asked you where you come from, you might tell me about Acts 2. Jesus of Nazareth, crucified, dead, resurrected, and glorified, pouring out the Holy Spirit on all people. And those people, the community shaped by that history, is the church. This is your community. So Christianity isn't just some abstract set of principles, a bunch of beliefs that you agree with or not, or a set of rules that you have to follow. It's a history of God at work in the world, and it's a people, a family that you're a part of. Both in the big picture sense, Christians throughout centuries, throughout the world, and in the local here and now sense, this church in 2022 with these people, the people sitting around you right now. And if you're a Christian, or if you're not, if you're seeking and you think this might be for me, I want you really to reflect on what it means for how you could live out your faith. We're going to see one example of this today with New Members Sunday, with people who have joined this community over the pandemic and reopening who have decided to state publicly that this is their spiritual home, that the history and community of St. Paul's Bloor Street is their history now, their community, and we celebrate that. How could you make this place your home, this people your family? Maybe it's time to join one of our growing connect groups. U of T, E100, Begin Again, Young Families, Parents of Teens. We've got a connect group that's become a de facto family for new arrivals into Canada. Or you could take Alpha, which started last Wednesday, but there's still time to join. You could talk to me about that. Maybe it's time to get involved in service, whether assisting on Sundays or helping with outreach and justice initiatives. You want to do that, you could talk to Karen or email her. And this may be something to consider for you watching online. Our online ministry started as a stopgap when the lockdown meant that we couldn't physically gather for worship, and we thank God for it. Because it's 
in the process, opened the doors of the church, so to speak, to so many who had been shut out in the first place, who for whatever reason of illness or mobility or disability, whatever, couldn't come to church. And if that's you and you're watching, I thank God for your faithfulness. I'm so glad that you are here, for you're joining this community in spirit mediated by this marvelous technology. We don't have any desire to close doors that have been opened. Online ministry is a part of the future of this community. But others I know haven't made it back for a variety of reasons. Maybe you just don't feel safe yet. Maybe it's just easier to have church on demand. Maybe hard pants just feel like too much. Maybe the pandemic has kind of broken you, and if that's you, I sympathize because I feel like it's kind of broken me too. And I'm not going to guilt anyone. We don't gather on Sunday for the purpose of creating online content, but I hope that the online music and sermons and prayers bless anybody who sees them. But I also want to say the life of this place, this community, it needs everybody who can be here to be here. And if that's you, I want you to know that you're missed, and we hope that we see you soon. Christianity just isn't as complicated as we often make it out to be. It's, it's challenging, but it's not that hard. It is about walking the journey of life in the community of God's people. And that life runs from cradle to grave. But that journey is transformed when your history begins with the empty tomb of Jesus and goes to the empty grave that awaits you in the resurrection and the life that is to come. And we are led in the meanwhile, in this life, in the time that we have with each other by the overflowing spirit which continues now, even now, to proclaim that Easter story as our story. Thanks be to God. Amen.